All right, Inside Golf Podcast, great show today with Jeff Feinberg talking American Express and some football picks at the end. Sorry for no Sunday preview show. We are going to be back next week for Tory Pines. Um, always a blast talking with Jeff. We can go on forever, so I apologize for this running a little long, but I think there's some pretty good info in there. I feel like I'm seeing the board really well right now, and let's keep it going for another week. All right, let's get to the show. All right, Jeff Feinberg is here of Mayo Media Network, FTN, my new colleague at Odds Checker. Jeff, we talk a ton, but I feel like it's been forever since we've gotten to catch up on a podcast together. How's it going, buddy? Goes well, my man. Happy to join you. I apologize if I was like uh, diva'd you in any way the last <laughs> couple of weeks. I'm normally pretty easy to book. My life isn't that entertaining, but it seems like I I, um, I feel bad. I've made you dance a little. Yeah, you you were the, you were elusive. I kept teasing you, and then two weeks in a row we couldn't make it work. But finally, we're here for. A tournament that I would say my excitement level is at like a 5.54. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I, I don't really have any issues with it. I can't stand the three core. I mean, as I say, I don't have any issues. Anytime there's a course rotation, just is a wrench that I don't really enjoy for gambling. You add in the presence of John Rahm and, you know, it creates a bit of a, a situation. But nonetheless... I don't know, full field. There's a lot of big numbers. It's an event that has historically rewarded, you know, not to put anyone down, but the not just the mid-tier, but like the higher mid-tier and, and job squad ha- have, have ruled here um, historically. Like some of the biggest numbers, Long, Landry, seen huge ones here despite the presence of an occasional uh, hyper elite. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's, let's dive right in because I... I want to talk about John Rahm, actually, but to set the scene for everyone, me and Jeff are talking about the American Express. It's three golf courses. I've actually played all of them. I've played a lot of golf in Palm Springs. They're fine, not incredibly interesting, but you know, a lot of water. There's only shot tracker on one of these courses, so it's kind of a hard tournament to follow, as you mentioned, Jeff. We've got the stadium course, the Jack Nicholas tournament course, and La Quinta Country Club. All of them play very easy. There's a 54-hole cut this week. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the players will rotate and get one round at all three. And then on Sunday, they will all play the stadium course. Uh, Like I said, Jeff, all three of these courses, they're pretty similar. They're all short, par 72, Bermuda overseeded with POA greens. It's like a California strain of Bermuda that is a little bit different from what we see in Florida, but not alarmingly so. They're very easy. There's a fair amount of water, but nearly every hole you can make birdie on. And as you mentioned, they, we've we've gotten a real eclectic mix of winners. You know, a couple massive long shots, including Adam Long at 600 to one, his one here. And, you know, this tournament a lot will come down to who can make the most 18 to eight to 15 footers for birdie. So that's why you'll see some of the long, longer shots win. What are you kind of, what are you kind of looking for this week, Jeff, as you approach this tournament? Are you kind of taking that strategy of, because this is more of a putting contest, you're kind of looking to sprinkle a little bit farther down the board. 
Yeah, so I haven't made a bet under 50 to 1 yet. So obviously, I guess because of, and that doesn't listen. We'll talk about it. There's a handful of guys I'm I'm clamoring to bet. I just haven't been able to differentiate or make that decision. But yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, this is an event that's awarded um over 50 to 1. It is an event, it is a setup that and I'm sure we'll talk about it because it's a theme all over my head and how I want to handle John Rom events. But maybe this isn't the place to start that because this would definitely be an event where John Rom's the best player in the world. Like there's no course fit for John Rom. Every freaking course fits John Rom. That being said, his ultimate talents in many ways can get neutralized at a course like this. And a lot of those guys that are 50, 100 to one uh, and above, they can just get so hot. Like they can get unconscious. They're professional golfers. They can get unconscious on these types of courses that are pretty much just plotted out there, fire in a wedge and roll with the putt. It's not an unfamiliar situation on tour, but it is from a betting perspective, one where, yeah, I'm definitely inclined to go start. At least my first instincts were all from farther back of the board. So I'm of the exact same mindset. I haven't made a bet under 50 to one either, but I still want to talk about the favors. You mentioned Rom. I'm looking at odds from DraftKings Sportsbook, but I would encourage uh, everyone to check out the odds checker golf grid to find the best odds in the marketplace. It's an extremely useful tool. We've got Rom at five to one, Jeff, Cantley at nine to one, Scheffler at sixteen to one, Sungjae at eighteen to one, Gooch at twenty to one, Finau at twenty to one, Corey Connors at twenty two to one, Answer at twenty five, Seamus Power at twenty eight, and Matthew Wolf at twenty eight. Those are all the guys below thirty on DraftKings Sportsbook, and then there's a little bit of a drop off after that. I want to talk about Rom first because I, I don't. I don't know if I see, I don't know if I view him the way that you view him. I, I, I kind of want to push back a little bit on it. And I feel like, I feel like people talk about Rom like he's this world beater and he's on pace to be an all time great. But the guy who's actually on pace to do that is Morikawa. And people don't even consider him the best player in the world. You know, he got picked after Hovland in your draft. And, between those two, the resumes aren't even close. But for some reason with Rom, like he he gets talked about in this different light. So like, and I I I wanna ask what what is it about him that you think like separates him? Cause I, I'm not I'm not seeing that gap between him and Morikawa or him and the other elite. So I want I wanna hear your case because I know you feel strongly about this. Okay. Um for starters, you're in many ways you are right. The guy won one time last year. So for me to pivot any sort of golf betting strategy based on his appearance or any golfers, uh, any golfer being in the field who isn't Tiger Woods in his prime, luckily enough, I was never betting golf weekly during those times. You're right. I do fight back on the Ra Morikawa, despite it not being there in the win column. And in many respects, maybe Morikawa is like Tom Brady and, and Rom is Peyton Manning. And it's just, no, my eyeballs like, like, yes, one is winning more, but my eyeballs tell me one is more talented. I don't want to hold to that analogy because it's probably not fair and it's probably easy to poke holes in, but 
and it's in many ways for me what I anticipate is probably going to happen with John Rom as every year, every year since he's come onto the scene. No, it's not being represented in wins, but you see all for a guy that's it's impossible to get better. He actually gets better. And there's things that he acknowledges he needs to work on. And every single year he gets better at those things, both mentally and physically. And then you take Hawaii. Yeah, it's a total vacation. Cam Smith was like on vacation, literally, I think a week at the place before the tournament started. And he played fantastic. And Rom to me is out there for a picnic. He's not like he's not even full go yet. And that's what you get. He's just going through the motions. Cam Smith needs an absolute ceiling. Rom just shows up. I will fight back on the Morikawa thing. And maybe from an outright betting perspective, you could tell me just shove this up my ass, which is fair. But Rom just feels that much more consistent. Like I'm not afraid of a yes, Rom yeah. floor. Like I guess I am afraid of a Morikawa floor. That being said, it's outright betting. So it doesn't really matter. But now that we're both here in this world where Rom is going to be six to six and a half to one a lot, and Morikawa is going to be six and a half to one a lot, that's a lot different than the days of Rom being uh, Morikawa being disrespected at 30, 35, maybe even 40. Uh, and sometimes you could argue even 20. Like now that they're going to be on par from an odds perspective, uh, I'm, I'm fully Rom, like 98 out of 100 times. Interesting. Listen, I agree. I I understand why his odds are so low. I don't I don't have a dispute with that. I think his odds are so low for the same reason why Xander's odds are lower than they probably should be. That's not the books saying that Rom is so much more likely to win the tournament than everyone else. They just have to protect themselves against the top ten and the top five bets. And Rom has the highest floor in golf, as you mentioned. He top tens a lot, just like Xander. And that's why his odds are lower than people think and they're they not should Wally be. Gag top tens. They're usually he's contending or at some point in the weekend, you're like, oh shit, he's going to freaking win. And he doesn't. And he doesn't. And he makes it impossible to live bet. Like credit to all the Cam Smith backers there last week. Andy, credit to all of them. They hit it. If I am right about Rom, like they got one and they're, you know, they're laughing about it. Maybe as Rom takes down these other ones but you couldn't eat the cash out on cam smith i've never seen I know, such embarrassing crazy. cash out options in a tie on sunday it was simply because <laughs> of john rom so there's the flip side of all of this there's the pre-turny numbers you know as you mentioned here DraftKings seems like the mean teacher set their lines this morning i think we all kind of expect them to get a bump up but you know sort of line shopping there's two guys under 20 to one. Like this is the tournament. I love to bet. I love to bet. And, and while I do believe in what I feel about Rom, I will acknowledge this is probably not the event um, for me to, to pivot in any kind of strategy, but yeah, I guess a lot of what I feel about Rom is more so what I feel is coming as opposed to what the data would indicate has happened. In, in many respects. I well, think we could all be screwed well, in a Well, yeah, the, the data shows that he should have more wins than he already has. And and the wins are coming. I, I just don't, like, I don't see the gap, right? I think people really want to anoint the next guy in a post-Tiger world. And 
I don't know if it's because Rom is likable or something. He is likable. I, I think he's really well-spoken. I love the way that he handled the COVID thing at the memorial and took it on the chin and bounced back. I really like him in interviews. I think he is articulate and thoughtful, and he is an excellent, excellent golfer. But in terms of who he is as a golfer, I just think the pendulum has swung way too far with him. It reminds me a lot of, and Jeff, you'll appreciate this because you're a football guy too, but it reminds me a lot of like that time when all the talking heads on first take would be like, you know, who's really, really, and I've made this, I've made this analogy before, you know, who's really, really underrated Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson should have all these MVPs. No one talks about Russell Wilson. And it's like, okay, yeah, we know. But now maybe the pendulum has swung a little too far in the other direction. Like no one thinks John Rom sucks. John Rom's awesome. He's just not like, let me ask you this. Do you think Rom's best day is better than Colin's best day? Like what was a better performance to you? What Rom did at Tory or what Colin did at Royal St. George's? What Rom did at Tory or what Bryson did at Winged Foot? Like I just... I don't see that gap. I don't see that like five win season coming. I just, I think there's too much parody and I think people treat it like it's a gap and I don't think there's a gap. It's a conversation. Okay, I agree. No. And, and this was the conversation in many ways. It sounds silly to say, but the one we had before the U S open where it was like, we kind of all agree Rom's the best, but this gap probably doesn't feel as warranted as you know, as it is then goes on to win the U S open. I am of the belief that, like, he's still the best. And the gap might be too big, but he's deserving of this place. And I believe that he's better than all the guys that you mentioned. Now, when Bryson wants to play his ceiling golf or more, Kyle wants to play their ceiling golf, there's nothing even John Rahm can do unless he wants to play his ceiling. Like, there's so many good players. And winning is so hard. I will push back. I think he is that good. I am one of the people that do believe he is that good and that there is a gap and that a few guys that I thought could potentially share number ones in the world, I don't think they are. I think that conversation is is a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller. Well, it is on belief, right? Like, And you may be right. He may turn out to be really great, but it is a thing with him. The ROM thing seems to be buoyed by belief because his pure resume is not close to Morikawa's. He's, his pure resume is not close to Justin Thomas. He's one year younger than Justin Thomas and has half the wins, right? Justin Thomas is 28 and has 14 wins. ROM's 27 and has seven. So, but he gets talked about like he's a hundred times better than Justin Thomas now. And I that's think he's emphasis. close to almost a hundred times better than Justin Thomas. But I mean, a hundred times I'm, I'm using hyperbole, but I I, to me, there's a clear gap between those two players. But based on what though? Because the resumes don't add up. Uh, on Just the belief. talent, on the eyeballs, on on the last couple years for me. I don't know. I've been, I listen, some of these I'll be right about, some of them. I'll be wrong about. I've never feared a player like this. I, I haven't. I thought Jordan Spieth was overrated. And for a little bit, I was wrong. And then I ended up being right. And I was such a big DJ fan. Um, and we had that blip, I guess, with day one five times in a year when that mail reminded me about today. But I've never like literally thought I don't 
some of this stuff I don't want to get involved in because this guy's playing. Or I need to want to go look at top American markets because I don't want to bet full field. Now, again, this this tournament is probably a horrible example for me to to introduce this. But I believe like it's his world and we're going to live in it. Mm, okay. I disagree. I mean, I, I, I think he's great. I think it's a I think it's a conversation, but I don't see that eye test wise like that this i see his ceiling around the ceiling is is better than everybody's and when i bet on guys i bet on ceilings i like that's what you gotta do to make out right bets i was at that it's 60 to one i'm like well i'm betting that bet's probably gonna lose but i'm betting on that guy's ceiling because to win on the tour unless you're one of three guys you need your a game to win a tournament i don't know i i i like i look at what rom did at the u.s open and I was there that week. He hit the ball out of bounds on the back nine. No one wants to talk about that. And it took an epic collapse from Louie. It took Colin three-putting from eight feet on the back nine to lose the lead. It took a triple bogey from Bryson. It took a double from Rory to get out of contention. It took all these guys that just fell apart. And I look at what Bryson did at winged foot. And I look at what Colin did at Royal St. George's to go to fucking England, never played a round of golf at Lynx in his life. And Rom, the first thing he says after he wins the US Open is like, this is the this is the most comfortable course for me. It's a perfect course for his game. I, I don't see how his ceiling is I like I look at what Bryson did at Wingfoot. I played Wingfoot. Like what he did that week was like transcendent. Yeah, not, I can't besmirch any of it. It set up perfectly in many ways for how Bryson wanted to play. That was him and Wolf back at the end there. And there were other big bombers that got knocked out of that thing, no doubt. Morikawa, like, that was amazing. That was unreal. He also got a Lynx championship that felt like a summer day in Florida. So That's you know, true. It, yeah, I'm not, I don't, to have this conversation is frustrating because to frame it in different ways, it makes it like I have to put people down. No, I know. Oh, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I don't want to do that. Even when I'm like of the elite players, like Justin Thomas is by far my least favorite. Like, da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Justin Thomas is still freaking amazing. He's the best. But you know, if I'm asked to make arguments with Morikawa and Rom, then I get framed in this conversation in this light where I become anti-Justin. That's not like the no, case. I know. I don't um, think anyone thinks that, by the way. No, I, I know, but because you, you can say something that is snappable, like in a in in the context of the sentence, and then that's what some people like throw back at you. I, I don't know. No, but, it, and I'm not afraid of people throwing my words back. I've been <laughs> doing this in front of a microphone long enough, and yeah, maybe this is just for me, like d- 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 January hyperbole. We'll we'll see, but nah. Now he's not going to get got by like also Rands anymore. If you okay. want to get John Rom, you're going to have to be one of those like super specials, super specials. Once once this thing gets heated up. And, oh, and Andy, you might re- appreciate this more than anybody. But to some of the guys that are like deep in it like his peers, mm-hmm. what they admire the most about John Rom is he might have of all the elite players or maybe any player in golf the most they claim he has the most like fixable on the fly swing mm-hmm. like he has the simple three point approach 
that he can just yeah. simply go back it's to very repeatable fix it on the fly he can get back into it and some of these other top players they're either like with it or they won't and if they're not getting back into it requires like two hours on the range or not you know what i mean like a yeah. full call with the coach this guy has simplified it so much for himself i'm impressed and wow feinberg's impressed with rom like nah. no <laughs> i don't know obviously i i am expecting something huge so no. that's where i come from and and just like you said with the anti jt thing it's not an anti-rom thing for me i think rom's amazing it, I, i'm more anti-perception of rom not anti-Rom as a person or a golfer. I just want to see it. I just want to see that five-win season or that two-win season or 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 something because you you put you do a blind resume test with him and everyone else, and it's just it's not there yet. Doesn't mean it can't get there. I've been wrong many times before as well. My Maybe Peyton Manning lost all the big playoff games. Was able to get one versus the mm -hmm. Bears, shitty Bears in the rain, like or. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that he got. Oh, he got another one with Denver that I forgot. Mm. But yeah, that was a different, that was like his Phil Mickelson win, like uh, on the back half. Sure. Uh, despite Denver having an amazing. Sure. Defense. And Rom's, yeah, yeah, Rom's already many, got a big one. Listen, the fact that I'm doing, the guy won one time. The guy won one time. Like people said to me, Feinberg, like you got to just keep your composure. You hit your quota. Why are you letting a guy who won one time last year make you think you should change your approach? And then I reflect and think those guys are right. They're probably right. And I haven't made the decisions. The bets I made already didn't include hitting the each way button as much as I thought they would. <laughs> so here comes fight like, you know, and what did this week do? We got like seven guys under 30 to one. And I saw Hassel Bowers tweet saying we got a hundred of the 130, we pretty much got a hundred over a hundred to one. Mm -hmm. So that's that is uh, you know, to steal his comment. It's the ROM effect. But speaking of the ROM effect, you can also make the case that the plus six fifty at bet three six five compared to his nine to one to win the masters is value. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, this is I'm not uh... betting it, but but yeah. No, nine to one to win the Masters, eight to one to win the Masters, six fifty to win the MX. We're Cantley and then Scotty Scheffler's the next on the tout. Yeah. No, I I I I get the Masters comparison in terms of weak fields. Um, and, and we we would argue that Masters eight to one is just a bad number anyway, right? So that doesn't make this one a good one. Yeah, and comparing I comparing it to a number that like I love John Rahm. Yeah. You know, and I and, and like I think I, I think Masters also weeds out a lot of it weeds out a lot of the best players, whereas I think legitimately like a hundred and twenty-five out of hundred and forty players could win this tournament if they yes, great catch point. a hot great putter. point. You're betting the masters, you're pretty much taking the Brooks Kepka approach, like I'm yeah. playing 30 guys here. Like yeah, it's exactly. one of third. This this event, and we've seen in past history, it's a complete yeah, I mean, yeah, from Andrew Landry to, to Patrick Cantley and anywhere in between could be Rom's Sunday fate match. All right, Jeff. Well, I, I love arguing with you. That, that was fun. But we should probably move on to the rest of the guys in this tournament. So 
let me ask you this. Are you, the reason you haven't made a move under 50 yet, are, who are you considering? Are you considering some of these guys like a Sung Jay, a Gooch, a Finau, a Corey Connors, an Answer, a Scheffler? Um, like who, do you have any, a Wolf I've seen a lot of steam for, uh, even Patrick Reed at 35 to one, like who do you think would be the guy under here? Cause I have a, I have a couple guys that I'm kind of deciding behind between. So that's, that's always the fun and hard part of this is crossing off the names. And then from that finding reasons not to play certain guys, but I could go many different ways in and of this group. I think M off a miscut, like is incredibly live. You know, Finau, we saw go out in the final group last year. Although, you know, me as a Finau super fan, I like to think courses that neutralize his strengths are probably, are probably not the places I like to bet him. Uh, Corey Connors. I bet Connors an answer last week. And you know how tough this game of, Step it, you know, you go from one week to the next and you still mm-hmm. think guys are good fits and you bet them last week. So like, should I ride them again? Should I step off? So those are guys I'm both definitely thinking about here. I like everybody else. I'm obsessed with Seamus power where yeah. even last week, you know, in all the popular write ups of him going around, you had to like triple take what you were reading mm-hmm. from a statistic. Like, are these stats right? Mayo put out a stat about, you know, like guys pretty much T20ing, T25ing at like an 80% clip. And then you have to go look at it because you're like, Mayo may have gotten that wrong because that doesn't sound right. You look at it like, holy shit, it's true. You saw how he putted last week. We're going to a course that you could argue is a better fit for him. And then there's Abe Answer. Like if you like your models, you Pete die anything. It's this guy. It's this guy. He's got the third. He's got the playoff loss. He seems to do everything here, and he just couldn't hit a putt last week. It seemed like he struck the ball well outside of a ball that goes out of OB. Um, So, yeah, I named a lot of players, but I'm having a hard time in this range, and for that, I might even skip it entirely if I can't make a decision, to be perfectly honest. I think I'm probably leading Connors. Now, Connors was a really popular pick last week. I bet him last week. A lot of people bet him last week. A lot of people played him in DraftKings, and he was great. I mean, the ball striking didn't miss a beat. It looks like he's starting to putt a little bit better, and I don't think for whatever reason he's going to be half as popular as he was last week. I think people don't like betting the same guy two weeks in a row. I think they're going to say that his putter can't keep up in a birdie fest. He hasn't been great at this course. I don't know. I actually think he's really close and I may just keep riding him. I was just really hoping for a 28, which is what I bet him at last week, like somewhere between 26 and 30. And I'm seeing the best I can get on him is 24. Whereas I think you can find like a 33 on answer. And I think that's fair. I think, I mean, answer, Answer hit the ball really well last week, too, and he has a much better history at this course. So for me, I'm kind of deciding between Connors and Answer. Yep. Uh, As I kind of said to Mayo earlier today, because I probably, because I did bet both of them last week, those are the Mm -hmm. two that are probably staring me down the most. And it's now that tough conversation. I'll throw this at you. It's 
like, oh, I love Corey Connors. I love Taylor Gooch. The next time we see Sam Burns, like you love these guys. Mm-hmm. But now to bet them, you have to stare at the guy at the exact same number beside them and be like, oh, man, like I could bet that guy. For yeah. the Same price. Yeah. And that guy is, you know, listen, we all I, I, I just did the wrong thing, which you pretty much put back like, bro, you're just buying into name value. <laughs> No, we just you know what I mean? I'm not saying you you think Rom is just name value, but no, you just I think Rom's great. Value. Yeah, like no, yeah, of course. It's just you know now it's like oh man, you could bet Corey Connors for the same number as like Sung J M. It's like I love Connors, but like can I do that? Does that make sense? Like just the DraftKings number on Gooch is ridiculous. That like you shop it and you hope that it yeah. raises, but anywhere in this tier, you're like. I love Taylor Gooch. He's been, even before Taylor Gooch became this player we all liked, and credit to Andy, because <laughs> last year, like, you officially, like, early in the year, you put I planted my flag, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, more from that prop market. It was great to see him win, but but secretly, Gooch has been an MX, you know, guy. Yeah. So, like, he, this is a course he's loved. Now he comes to this course with a confidence that he never had in the years that he played well here. Like I, that's an angle I always think about when you have guys that played well at courses before they became different level of players. And now they get to go to that course as that confidence level of player. It's always something that makes me like, okay, well now what now what? So there's that, but to bet Taylor Gooch, you're like, I could bet. You know, I don't want to make it like Tony Finau, some credible preeminent force, but it's a top five machine guy, you know? Yeah. So the decisions now with some of these guys are they're they're fun, but they're they're not fun. And and they can turn Mondays into very long days, Andy. <laughs> so you're not drawn to Wolf because I, I think Wolf is a guy that a lot of people are into this week. And I I, I understand that, but it feels like the two names that both of us kind of glossed over quickly were Wolf and Finau, which is I, I'm I'm surprised to hear you talk a little bit more about Connors and answer before Finau. So what what are your what are your thoughts on on Finau and Wolf? You just you like the other guys a little bit more? Okay. Uh Wolf, who we got here? It's like Wolf, Scheffler, um Connors, Sunjay. I just want to like Wolf, Scheffler, Zalatoris are the big three that haven't played yet this year. Finau hasn't. No, Finau and, played the. TFC. Oh my God, you're right. He played in Hawaii. Yeah, that would be it in terms of this portion of the. And I don't know board. if you care about that, but Mayo pointed out to me that there is a, a strong clip of guys that that already teed it up. Uh, it was all but one mm-hmm. that were able to win here. That's not enough to move me off but it's maybe a little um yeah i think it matters i think the reps are important if you played in hawaii 100 i don't know i'm not uh i get why people love wolf just kind of and you know this is just the guy can absolutely on a course where every hole feels birdieable like this just feels like a place where he can be unconscious or if i'm not watching thursday or friday you just queue up the shot tracker and it's like, oh shit, Wolf is nine on yeah, like he's doing FRL yeah. out of the gate. I'm just not I'm just not there. I'd rather bet answer Connors than Wolf. As it pertains to Finau, 
kind of alluded to it. In some respects, I feel like Finau, I want to hold myself to betting Finau at places where like long and accurate off the tee, like where his strength is not neutralized. Mm -hmm. Like what he does absolutely best is not neutralized. And I'd argue birdie parties historically, I mean, he's contended in just about every event. I can name birdie parties where he went off very late, you know, Minnesota, this one last year. Um, But I don't know. Birdie parties just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not totally there. Me neither. What about, let's kind of move into some of the, like, Reed, Henley, Tringale, uh, Zalator, 50 on Zalatoris is a good number. Yeah, I like that a lot. I've, I've actually moved on that. So, Reed, you could just blindly go with Reed here if you want. Yeah. Not, I mean, my, my, if the logic on betting Reed is he's a winner, you just sort of make a blind move. Yeah, he, it's been really bad, though. Like, yeah. I think some people think about Reed with the no form thing. Like, you go back and look, like, it has, he hasn't run this cold in a long and time. And we haven't, even when he runs cold, we're not like bottom of the barrel bright red on Fantasy National. No, <laughs> exactly. Categories. Exactly. Like, oh, it's cold. It's hard to replicate week to week, but it's never kind of bottomed out on like the off the tee. Like, it's never been strengths, but. There's levels of bottoming out that we never have experienced before. So I'll acknowledge that. I don't know if I could pull the trigger because I never bet the guy. And I make a lot of mistakes, but never betting Russell Henley has not been one of them. Mm. That being said, as someone who didn't bet him last week, Andy, Mm. I don't feel the scar tissue. Like, listen, I acknowledge it was bad. And I think the, the broadcast tried to protect him a little yeah he shot one over on the back nine he played way too he he changed the way he played yeah, too shot, he played way he too couldn't make one birdie on the back nine at wildlife like yeah. you go into halftime up 20 and you get two first downs and score no points you're probably gonna lose the game yeah you're probably gonna lose and it took to the very end in a playoff for hideki to get him and i could think of all the 15 or 10 footers on the back that just missed for russ and that's golf, but I didn't, I don't feel the burn. So like I could look at it as this guy's playing really well. He's going to a course that absolutely suits what he does. It's hard for me to pull the trigger because I'm, I, I don't really ever bet the guy, but I don't mind it at all. I thought about it hard. If I had to make an early one and done decision this week, because mm. I think there's a, like people could be sort of, um, scar tissue or or you know you just sort of have that memory but the memory is also a guy that played fantastic you know uh all but one nine for four days yeah i actually my favorite play on the board this week is justin rose i bet justin rose at 55 to one i think justin rose is going to win someone a lot of money on DraftKings this week i i think he's I think it's a good time on him to buy. He started to come around in the fall. He gained over a stroke in all four major categories at the RSM. I know that this isn't what you think of when you think of a Justin Rose course, but he's won at the Zurich before, before it was a team event. That's another 
Pete Dye, easy par 72 where you need to make birdies. Um, I mean, he, he finished one stroke out of the wind and playoff a couple months ago too. I, I, I just think you're buying low on a guy that is starting to show some real signs. I don't think he'll ever be a top 10 player again, but I think he's, I, I think he's got some fight left in him and he was the guy that I was looking at at 55 to one. I thought that was a fair number on Rose, and I normally I normally do not bet him. I don't really have a strong opinion on, on that. I, I You could make the case there's guys farther back that bring almost the exact same. Ricky Siwoo. Uh, to the table. Um, and, you know, it's a personal preference. It's still having fun here. You got to have your personal preference. Yeah, I'm not going, despite like I've had to live up to a bit that I created many I years ago, <laughs> I don't really have any need for Justin Rose. And like any golf fan, like Justin Rose is a guy I've watched my whole life. I don't like seeing him hurt. I want to see him healthy. <laughs> I want to see him contending. I do like guys just in front of him, though, a bit. Uh, Zalatoris and Bezadenhout. Sure. Yeah, uh, I so bet those, the House last week. He was good. Yeah, so it's 60 to 1. You're seeing some Bezadenhout. Seems like a really, the sort of course that he can just plot around perfectly. And despite some, listen, if you weren't watching, well, how do I put this? I didn't watch some of the golf on Friday. And then you sort of see your Twitter feed and you <laughs> think he missed the cut. Yeah. Like just, I don't know, some, maybe it's just a few people who I follow are very like loud and boisterous. When mm, you don't say <laughs> a couple guys don't, don't go their way. I, I don't, I don't know. So I'm not, but yeah, no, he played quite well for a guy that seemed to be going back and forth a lot through the first couple days of the tournament and Zalatoris, like I'll challenge and maybe this will bite me in the ass, but you can have your wolf at 28. Like, give me Willie Zizzle at 50. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that was, to me, Zalatoris was not somebody that really, you know, popped for me in, in my handicapping process, per se. But I was probably the most surprised about his number um, based on what I thought his number was going to be. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I think he should be a lot lower than that. And in some of the off-season commentary, like around the new year, I did kind of make mention in a couple places. I, too, was surprised at the number, but Zalatoris, just for where he was a year ago, probably yeah. in this talking train. Yeah, a little so forgotten. Young players. Yeah. There's just so many young players, and new guys just keep showing up or, or entering new tiers, like a Burns and Burns, a Gooch, yeah. and it's great for them. But Zalatoris, in some ways, feels like a bit of a forgotten entity. And he's not a hundred to one, you know, like, it's not like he's forgotten, but um, yeah, I jumped all over this, but sort of starting in this range, Andy, a lot of guys that have my attention. Will I pull a trigger on Siwoo? No, but defending champion 65 to one. I know. In this yeah. Field. Norin that too. Seems very dis disrespectful. Norin. I. He, he seemed to have handled like easy birdie fests a lot better. He sort of changed the perception that I had of him. Mm -hmm. um, in really good respect. in easy scoring conditions. Yeah, but, that's changed. But Mayo brought up his metrics, and it could have been a lot of me thinking nice perception of him because he had a horrible swing season, Andy. Yeah, I don't, like, I, I think you have to give 
players have been, if they haven't played since, and I would have rather them played, like I would rather play somebody that played the Sony Open and maybe he wasn't great than somebody that played bad. But what they did in the swing season, like there's enough time now that you have to probably assume yeah. that they figured it out. And a guy like Norin, who's literally known for, you know, he's literally like how Tong Lee light in terms of range time. Like the guy is just an animal grinder. And yeah, some say he, like in he an wears out his, his hands. Yeah. That's what yeah, I've heard. In an unhealthy too. way. Like some people close to the game will say that's what he does is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is on a list of guys. I'm, I'm kind of looking at Carlos Ortiz. Yeah. Me too. Feels like a, a place he could totally pop at 80 to one. And I don't know. Yeah, uh, just a lot of a lot of guys. Even as we start to flirt with the triple digits. Yeah, I have, I have Rose at fifty five, and then my next bet is one fifty. Uh, <laughs> I've got four more guys in that one fifty range. So I mean, I, there are some names that I might add here. I always love Gary Woodland. Um, I've on the record about Woodland's. Uh, resurgence this year. I didn't love him in my handicapping process as much as I would have thought, but I he's a long-term buy for me. And at 100 to one in this field, I just, that's a little high in my opinion. Yeah, but Mayo's all over that. Like yeah. you sort of made those off-season proclamations mm-hmm. that Woodland, and, and as I filled in the gap on his comments, not that he needed me to, this isn't like, you're not picking Gary Woodland to win a major. The claim was Gary Woodland is kind of being forgotten and we're going to catch him at 100 to 1 in a shitty field. So maybe this is that perfect example of it. Um seen Chris Kirk 100. Yeah, 100, yeah. He was he had a great run through here last year, Andy, if you remember. It started mm-hmm, in Hawaii and he continued it for quite a bit of just quality golf. So this is a, a sort of plotting layout that in many ways can work perfectly for Chris Kirk. And in some ways, I know I could take heat for this, but you know, he's like a poor man. Zalatoris. Is he not in what way? I think he's a better putter than Zalatoris. And I, I don't think he's a good, as good of an iron player. Yeah. But Kirk. just like, it's all of going to be, well, I don't really consider Chris Kirk a great putter, but just a guy just going to yeah. iron. There are a lot of guys in this field that you're just hoping can iron the shit out of it. Hoagie. And, 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 and put Hoagie's, I that's a guy spoke about already today. I was on the hoagie wagon last week. Apparently he has nice MX history on the low pro or, or not so much the low pro as people there. start to analyze. I'm going right back to that hoagie approach game approach game. There's a lot of guys. Lucas Glover led the field in approaches last week, Andy. I know. I know. I'll give you, yeah, let's just, we might as well start talking about these guys now because I've got a bunch of bombs that I want to throw out there that I think are, there's a lot of value in their outright number, but I also think these guys are going to win people a lot of money on DraftKings. I think some of these guys, you can really find some diamonds in the rough in a field and a tournament with this much variance. I'm with you on Hoagie. Um, He's just, he's a really elite wedge player. All the reasons that I liked him last week kind of apply this week. He's actually the number one player in this field over a very large sample size from like 75 to 125 yards. And you're going to have a lot of flip wedges on this course. And he's already finished six here. Um, So I think he's a great play this week. 
I love KH Lee at 125 to one. He's played well here the last two years. There's, there's the TPC narrative thing, which I don't really buy into a ton, but you look at how he's done at places like the Shriners and the Phoenix and the 3M Open. And it's like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe there is something to this. You get him on an easy par 72 with some water and a bunch of par fives. And I think that is his sweet spot. And he's another guy who hit the ball really well at the Sony Open, just couldn't buy a putt. And he played both Hawaii events. It just kind of seems like he's getting into a groove. So Cage Lee is another one I was looking about. What about you as we kind of drift into these these longer guys? Yeah, well, credit, you know, love pumping up that odds checker grid because seeing some guys that, uh, geez, like Vandal's thrown onto 160. I know, yeah. Like Hoagie, they threw Hoagie up to 160. I don't, I'm not in one of those states, but uh, jealous of those guys. Can't not have the conversation. You mentioned you love Justin Rose and for different reasons. We saw Jason Day at that <laughs> team event about a month ago, 130 to one, just to strike the shit out of it. And I'm going back to the well with this guy. But if you look at the best results last year, Andy, he's made a home in California. He, how do you I know where you're going. He with enjoyed this. life of being an accomplished world-class golfer. Sure. And he, he moved his family and everything. He had suffered, a lot going on. But Francesco Molinari, like put a run of events in California last year. And I can't not, I think, be a part of something with him this week. I think I'd rather play like Hayden Buckley or Adam Svensson, because I think there's an element of unknown with those guys. Like, I thought that Buckley and Svensson were going to be really popular this week coming off really good performances at the Sony and their odds would get like slash because I remember at one tournament in the fall swing or something like Hayden Buckley had back-to-back top tens and then he was like 35 to one or something like that. I was shocked that Buckley was 160 to one in this field. He just might be really good. Um, he also might not be really good. We don't have enough of a sample size of statistical data. It's it's very good, but it's too small of a sample size. And I would rather just play the element of unknown here with some of these guys where with guys like Hayden Buckley and, and Svensson, there's like a chance that these guys are perennial 60 to one guys in like a month from now. And you're just buying low. They also could be not good. I mean, we'll see. I, I mean, it's like... Yeah. Someone made this example. I don't know how I could think of it to golf, but it's like when a team needs to hire a new GM. Yeah. (laughs) And now they all go, it's like for football, like retread GMs, they almost don't exist. If you've been a GM and you get fired, having a second job as an NFL GM seems very hard. At least when you compare it to coaches through the history of the sport. Sure. And it's like, the owner would rather put a guy up there who doesn't have to answer for, you know, a bad Carson Wentz trade or this, or it's like, yeah, you've done nice things and you built nice teams, but like, look at those parts of the resume. You hire this like fresh face, 40 year old from, you know, you dig them out as someone's assistant. <laughs> there's no scar tissue to answer for. Like there's nothing. It's just, you just get to be hopeful about <laughs> it. And that's, I guess, you know, the Molinari versus Buckley. And in that many ways, you sold me that maybe I should just, you know, bank the, the ceiling of some of these lesser lights. Must mention Visvenson. Very nice guy. I had breakfast beside him at a 
at one of my favorite establishments in Palm Beach, one of the days leading into the Honda a few doesn't, years ago. Doesn't Joe know him? Probably just from that part of Florida. Joe yeah. probably knows like a small handful of guys in that Svensson yeah. range just because yeah, yeah, Joe hits area. up all the courses and you find yourself uh, in them. And as long as you're smart enough, to not bet them or think that they're not good and then bet them you're doing you you're you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I think Spence I mean he was he was T7 at the Sony last week. He was on TV a bunch too during the final round, so I really thought that he would be a super buzzy name this week. Yeah, he was on TV a bunch and so I don't know, maybe these guys end up being like chalky 7k guys when people start listening to stuff and all the podcasts come out you know how it goes but i i don't know it's just we're recording this on monday at like 4 p.m eastern and i haven't really listened to anything yet or been on twitter but i mean svenson i i he's 150 to one i grabbed that i just i i think a lot of the guys around him are pretty proven commodities and we know what their ceiling is i mean svenson gaining 6.1 strokes on approach last week and he's played this tournament before. He finished 18th. Really, really good wedge player from what we've seen so far. Um, I don't know. I'm happy to roll the dice at 150. Yeah, it's one of those things, Andy. It's like you feel more comfortable getting a big putting week from Svensson than Luke List or Harold Varner. <laughs> just, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because those are we- two guys also that I'm looking at maybe for DFS. Varner's a guy. You just think of how this layout works. You think it'd be perfect for him. I'd never get him right. Anytime I'm big on Harold, I get it wrong. Every time I'm off Harold, seems to be the few times he plays well. I love Harold Varner too. Actually, the guy, the guy that I was playing golf with this weekend, he works at Morgan Stanley, and I guess that Morgan Stanley does a lot of it. It's one of Varner's sponsors. So he he knows Varner and says he's just, you know salt of the earth does so much for the community and charities. I, I, I really hope I've been on Varner a ton. I really hope that he breaks through at some point. I think he's got a lot of talent. Yeah. I could see it this week. 90 to one, something like that. I think a hundred to one. Yeah. 190. Another guy in that range. I feel like sick for mentioning him, but I don't mind. He actually was so good for me on DraftKings last week, and I hope he goes under the radar again in that respect. That would be Russell Knox. Oh, yeah. He was so good for me on DraftKings, too. Yeah. that was Knox was great, and he putted well last week, too. Yeah, the thing about Knox putting well is even when he putts well, I still happen to shot track the, the missed, like, five-footers. <laughs> They're unavoidable. Like, he could not birdie. He was inside eight feet all tournament on that short little 10th hole. I don't think he got it one time. Yeah, he he is, when with his irons, like, I know this is going to sound crazy, but you look at the advanced numbers with his irons, he is, like, a top. 10 iron player in the world over like a five-year sample size. It's insane how much the putter holds him back. But I don't know. Like the putter, he has to have confidence for knock standards in the putter off last week. He could be a guy, could go back to, I might not make a bet under 50 to one. Yeah. Like I'll just have to watch Connors win and be angry when answer does. There's a lot of guys. I mean, I'm not going to go through the reasons for all these guys, but some of the guys like I'm going to be playing that I think are great DraftKings plays, like 
I like Kazire on a wide open birdie fast. I like Andrew Putnam a lot. I like Shank. Norlander was in a that L- love line. Kazire anytime he can go somewhere and not make a double to give back the three birdies in a row he just made. Um, I know. And like great, those yeah. are the events. I'm all in on Kazire. I like can't give back all of the great work because <laughs> he's so good at doing that. I know he's a great DraftKings scorer. I like TPC Summerlin as a comp. He's finished second and fourth there. He's also been awesome at the Sanderson and Byron Nelson. Those are all just like easy par 72s where you have to go well. I mentioned Norlander, Shank. I like Ryan Moore's 300 to 1. He's a guy I'm going to play in DraftKings, Jason Duffner. And now we're just, I'm talking about DraftKings and top well, 40 guys. Duffner, but. I want, I hit a winner on Duffner. He hit one, he saved from the rocks. Like he was in a rock bed. He probably has the, he may have the best, outside of Hadwin, he may have the best course history out of anyone here. I mean, that was like when this tournament, like three names ago, because this one's been, been, been through a few. Uh, it was, it was 2016. Titles. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you said something that's as we're finishing up really rang true to me, and it's so easy to say and silly to say, but when I made those comments or the ROM comments, sort of comparing the Masters odds, that like on the surface, it's like yeah, he's eight to one on some books to win the Masters, he's plus six fifty to win this. Of course, this represents value, mm-hmm. but, but you did the point where like no, the Masters. Like you literally are capping 30 guys. 50 yeah. if you want to be 40 if you want to be like nice to people. Like if you want to give people respect that they probably don't deserve in this moment of time. Having this being my second conversation about this event today <laughs> and the past history of this tournament, like, yeah, it does feel like there's like 115 like live bodies here, which is dangerous to say because it's going to cost me money. Yeah, but and, I, and listen, I mean, I have to do the same thing, Jeff, where people are going to come at me because they think I'm an anti-ROM guy now when I'm not at all. I mean, no, I'm no pl- I think you stated that quite clear. There's no, you just said the gap isn't the gap. That's all. Yeah. You're like, no, this guy is what he is. You're not disputing it. The gap isn't the gap. And And I think you mentioned it perfectly about the value of playing elites at courses like this versus courses where that do maybe a better job of weeding out the weaker players, I guess would probably be the best way to articulate it. I still, I mean, if Ron brings his Ron was number one in my model, he's number one in my model. Most weeks. Um, I want to see what the ownership is. He's in my player pool right now. Like I'm going to probably play him in DraftKings, depending on how things shake out for me. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think, I like that he's at these odds because I think that, I don't know. No, it's not even the odds. You like that he's here. Your chan- you feel like your chances of winning aren't that much different whether he's here or it's JT here or, or mix and match any of those top four or five guys, but you feel like you are getting better numbers because of it. Mm-hmm. And again, goes back to all of us. Like, who cares who's here? You just hit your quota. And I say this from a strictly outright betting perspective, but it's sure. sort of what's we all have to convince ourselves mentally in ways a to just wake up the next day and make bets on these things. Andy, it's <laughs> too early in the season for that sort of attitude. I'm not there yet. Trust me, but you just sort of have to convince yourself 
of anything and whatever works for you. And for me, for the years, it's been like, don't change anything. You're going to hit your quota. Trust you're going to hit it. You might lose for the first two months. And then all of a sudden you get like white hot lightning. And there've been years where I'm like, oh shit, I'm not going to get to my quota this year. Like this sucks. And then I don't know, boom goes the dynamite. You fucking get there. I've been lucky enough to do it. So I don't know. And it, you know, I say Rom, but I mean a lot of these big boys. I'm so afraid of all of them. Let's like, that's just the truth of it. Like I am. I think I go into every tournament thinking, oh, one of these great players is going to win. That doesn't mean I don't make my betting card filled with guys 30 to one and above, but I don't know. I always have that sort of mindset. Like I, I have a hard time picturing them not winning despite making bets and getting lucky and winning some. Well, you're not you're not exactly wrong. Like you, we haven't had a crazy winner in a while. Like you go through back, like starting in the fall swing, Homa. You could catch a good number on him, but he was kind of he was one of the better players in that field. Burns at the Sanderson, Sungjae at the Shriners, Rory at the CJ Cup, Hideki at the Zozo, Lucas Herbert at the Bermuda, but. By the official world golf rankings, Herbert was like the eighth best player in that field. Hovland at the Mayakoba, Kokrak at the Houston, Gooch at the RSM, who at that point was in the 40s and 30 to 1, Cameron Smith and Hideki. So, yeah, I mean, this is, we're probably due for a bit of a weird one, but you're right. It's been the big dogs have showed up recently. All right. Well, let's, let's do a quick recap. All right. And then, cause I want to ask you one or two football questions. So for me, I, I'm deciding between Connors and answer at the top. If I can get like a 20, I, this is probably wishful thinking, but I would throw Scheffler into that mix too. I, I just, if I could get like a 20, my buy number on Scheffler is like 24 and I'm just not seeing that. Is but, he the forgotten elite this week? Or you think like he'll get talked up as we get that's sort a, of into it? That's a good question. Are you kind of referring to what happened last week with Hideki? Well, Hideki in some respects was yeah. the forgotten elite. And he was Mayo the play. for years yeah. has pointed out like for one and done, at least mm-hmm. like, if you just go forgotten elite, you should be okay. Be it in, um, you know, outrights its own thing, but in terms of DFS, or one and done. The forgotten elite is always a lane you kind of want to be in. It might be Cantlay, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair... (laughs) Yeah, And I made those ROM points just in terms of being fair. You see how Cantley steamed that thing too. Oh my God. He he made like eight birdies in a nine-hole stretch here last year, and he loves this course, and he loves California. So maybe maybe it's Cantlay. But yeah, so for he, me, he, Rom, he lost to Rom in a playoff here, right? Um, was he in that playoff with Rom the year that Rom won? Maybe I, I don't I remember. I want to say he was that was the same day that because uh, 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 like the Jags had that big Steeler upset in the NFL playoffs. I'll give my picks real quick, and then while you while you give yours, I'll I'll look it up. But Rose fifty five, Svensson one fifty. Kazire 150, Buckley 160, Putnam 160. I bet James Hahn at 250 to one as well. So I have room for a bunch of stuff because these are all like very small bets on guys over 150 to one. But we'll see. We'll see where the wind blows. Jeff, what about you? Yeah. So the bets I've made 
Zalatoris, 55, uh, and Bezaden Hout, 60. Those are the bets that I've made, bets that I will be making. I'll be betting Gary Woodland 100 to 1. You've got me on Hayden Buckley. You sold me, <laughs> and I'm going to be betting Tom Hoagie. Again, like I, my exposure for Monday uh, evening is quite low. I can yeah, go in any direction I want. I want. I, I could probably even fit in answering Connors if I wanted to. Yeah, me too. I'm just actually. attracted to, like, we talked up too many guys that I like, <laughs> that I like and can have fun can have fun with this week. I do like that, like 50 to 100 um, potential build out. And you mentioned Tringali. Did you not? I didn't, but I like Tringali as like a DraftKings play this week. I, I It's hard for me to endorse his outright number, but I he he were, he did the things I was looking for in my research. I don't think his outright number is that bad. 50 to 1. I'm, you know. Yeah. I mean, so- it's... Maybe I, I, I think he's, I'm not of the belief ever. I, that guys just like can't ever win. They can't break through. I think that people build muscle memory and learn about their tendencies. In I fact, totally this is something I said about Henley on the front nine where I was like, God damn, Henley looks so comfortable. And then on the back nine, it was a bit of reality check. Like, okay, maybe he's not there quite yet, but the implosion happened a little bit later than maybe it would have happened last time. So, you know, we're getting somewhere. But yeah, I think Tringali is a talented player. He I he bugs the shit out of me. I'll never forget the wave that he was doing at the Zozo in the I was I remember because I was watching it in the middle of the Hilton. night. Hilton. I was like, what is this guy doing? Like he's the Queen of England. <laughs> I I yeah, it's still and there, I'll was never an event, it. there was an event in season that he did that too. He was winning during somebody. I think it was 3M maybe. Yeah. 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 I, that, if that's his shtick, I'll never bet him. But yeah. I don't he, mind it. I don't think the number's horrible. I don't know why I extended it by time about a player I'm not betting, but I do think <laughs> he he fits this ability to, to plot along um, nicely. When I ask you a quick foot. Quick football question or two before we get out of here. I so next week, what are you feeling? For me, I slammed the Titans. I took them at minus three. I got uh, kind of like a buy order from the guys that I trust and talk football with and are really good at figuring out where the numbers are going. And they told me that one is on the move. Uh, and I bet the minus three on Sunday night, and now I think it's three and a half, four. I haven't looked at it this afternoon. But the other games, I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. I think the Packers line is really fair, like really fair. Like I, I, I don't see an edge either way. And then Chiefs, Bills, I think the Bills win that game. Okay, so I would agree with your early lean on the Titans, although it's great as a football fan. Like I love seeing that there are Bengals fans in the same way people can one day be happy that maybe the Chargers do something well. And I love seeing new blood and just get 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 in in advance and look like they have a future. But I agree that feels like a, a nice spot for for um for them. And in many ways, you know, the Raiders, that was a nice run. They should have been exhausted. They fought their ass off. Could be a bit of a step up you know, for the Titans. 
That five and a half in Green Bay, those are the weirdest to me. I have a 49er future, so I'm like beholden to it. So that I have a rooting interest, but five and a half point spreads. It's like, don't have quite the confidence to put it up at a touchdown, but we still think a lot of you would probably lay a touchdown if we asked you to. But at the same time, there's no way we're going to make this thing at four because yeah. you guys would just come all over us. Uh, you know, come in on all, all over us on this one. So that, you know, that's a sketchy one. I, I don't really have an opinion. I'm loyal to my future and I am, I'm full wagon on the bills, Andy. I think they win that. Like, game, I don't know actually. if they're going to win. That should be a fun game, but like my rooting interest, a, from where I'm, I'm located here in Southern Ontario to the fact that, you know, I've seen the chiefs play in two straight super bowls. What I said about the Bengals in new blood, like I'm all full, like the bills have my full support. I don't know if that means that they're the bet. They just, they got my support. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. My preseason prediction of bills Packers super bowl is still alive somehow. And I feel the same way about that. Now I think it's bills Packers for me. That I don't was know. The super bowl. I picked at the start of the playoffs. Yeah, I think, well, you know, it's, it's, tr- I think, you know, I think it's going to be a great game, right? And and I haven't made a move on that yet. It's another one where, like, I, I don't know if it's going to get to three. If it gets to three, I'm in on the bills. If it sticks around in two at 2.5, I may just pass and, and root for my future. I want the field goal. Yeah. I don't know. That one feels... Yeah, obviously, I can't dispute the value of of that field goal. I don't think you're going to get it, though, Andy. You're probably right. I don't like I even heard Dan Dan Patrick had a guest on his show today. And they're like, who do you and his question to the football writer, like rap sheet or whoever, one of the 10 guys that go in the cycle was like, who do you got in the AFC? The Bills or the field? And I'm sitting here like I'm the one with the bill. Like, I want to cheer for the bill. Bills are the field. Like, that's where we are now with the bills. It's that's bills cool. or the field. Yeah. That's Get out of here, man. Like I'm pro bills, but people need to also maybe chill on that. No. Yeah. Was- no, I think the chiefs, you know, <laughs> they haven't impressed me. Even, even what I saw last week, even when they win big, I still like have reservations about them. It's, it's yeah, weird. But is there a team that you have more confidence in like down two scores to come back? No. Yeah, it's they. Like, so and that's what, you know, even when you're picking eliminators, it's like my buddy always says to me, like, okay, but who do we want if we're down 10 points? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, fear, I think it's interesting for the Chiefs that all three of the teams left beat them this year. So while hmm, the Chiefs I didn't are realize so back that. and they're the yeah. team to beat, they are the team to beat. Like they are the team to beat. I can't acknowledge that. I wish so badly. Well, whatever. They, even if the Chargers got in the playoffs, the Bills would, what a spot. They would have just been annihilated. So I don't even need to think in, in that world. But it didn't matter who made the playoffs. To me, the Chiefs are the team to beat. That being said, what happened this year was they gave a lot of teams in football r- reason to not fear them yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. They like the vulnerable. fear factor yeah. is gone. The Burrow beat them. Uh, you just you saw Tennessee's had their way with them. The Bills had a big off the mat game um, versus them. The only mm-hmm. team that I guess should have feared them was the Raiders. 
And I say that like what the Chiefs did after starting essentially like almost a full half without scoring and then doing what they did. As someone that likes to compliment Pittsburgh's defense, despite its flaws like Watt and Minka, I think in some ways we're not giving the Chiefs enough credit for like the the two quarter explosion that they did. Yeah. I mean, they still they still have that gear. For some reason, it feels like that gear happens maybe a little bit less frequently or sometimes when they're in the hole, they're not getting back there at a higher rate, but it definitely still no, It feels exists. like they're capable of punting. Like in years past, yeah. it's like third yeah, down, exactly. it didn't matter. Like they'll figure it out. Mahomes will throw one through his legs backwards, blindfolded. They'll get it. Now on like third and seven or something, you have this like party, like, no, I can get them off the, they're still the, still hard to get them off the field and they convert a bunch, but I, there's not this defeatist attitude. I think when it's like third and five versus them, like it used to be for three previous years. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, buddy. Well, tune into the spread pick show for more of a detailed conversation and Jeff's takes on the divisional round of the playoffs. Jeff, what else you got going on this week, my friend? Uh, already chatted with Mayo. So go check out my golf chat mm-hmm. with him. Me and you are throwing it down. I'll be throwing it down with, uh, Rick Gaiman for odds checker, uh, chatting, as you mentioned with Pat and Tim early in the week. So a lot of me like early in the week, and then I I'll disappear <laughs> and I spend the rest of it complaining on the internet, I guess. I don't know. That's the best way to do it. I love getting everything out early and then just, you know, chilling and watching. Yeah, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes watching can be, you know, something in and of itself. (laughs) Like, in and of itself, watching can be tilting. Like, I'm much better. I have a much healthier Thursday just knowing the guy made par, not knowing he missed, like, a six-footer and made par. (laughs) Yeah, it's better. I know what you mean. I had, uh, I played 36 holes a day for three days this weekend and didn't watch any of it. And I, and this was, I had all week, I had a massive DraftKings sweat and it was so enjoyable not being a part of it really. And how do you, how do you put one out there on a par three? Like you posted and have no club twirl there, Andy. Oh, I know. I don't, I, I feel like the, like I'm already posting swing videos on Twitter. I don't know if I want to be like that guy. That's club twirling too you know uh, when I mean? you hit it like that yeah i saw that ball leak over the hill you oh yeah excited. it came down and yeah no it really came down everyone i was playing with was like that's fucking in <laughs> but no we had a blast this weekend beautiful place but all right jeff feinberg everybody jeff thanks for joining me my friend all right that is it for me and jeff you can catch me tomorrow morning at 12 p.m eastern on the scramble with rick gaiman and we will be back on friday as well Really happy with how this show has grown in the new year. It means a lot when you guys help it grow by leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts and retweets and all that stuff. It it really helps, and I really appreciate it. Um, so in any right, I hope everyone has a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dreams 